0: Please listen carefully.
1: Hi, so we're back here with Chris. We're starting part two of where we began. So So Chris, what did you do after Coleraine, after you... After the caretaking years, wow. after after the rain Tribune
0: or Chronicle 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 Tribune was nice actually maybe they should they should maybe think about using uh, that competition competition let's start one up. Um, well, I I got a job whenever I was uh, whenever I was a caretaker. I randomly after the whole the Korean Chronicle thing was kind of there wasn't much of it, but it was kind of on and off, and it was pantomimes and bowling and all the stuff you do. It was very exciting. And I, I did enjoy it. Um, but I went to a party in, uh, was it Terry Keegan? Dervoch, I think it was. This is not important, but It was mm. important to me. Anyway, I went to this party for a friend and I met a guy called Terence Zeeman who was there. And Terence was a, uh, don't he describe himself as, without being R.C., an Africanist, I think. He was a professor at the University of Ulster. Um, and he was I, Ivy League educated. Baylor University, really plumbing guy, not having to do photography, but he was he was bringing over a revolutionary poet over from Namibia. And mm-hmm. he said to me, We'd chat at the table. Like, I got on really well with him. He was really nice. Um, and he said, uh, Somebody said, you take photographs. Would you want to come and uh, take some photographs, theatre photographs from me? And um, we'll have an exhibition at the end of it. Kind, wow. I, well, exhibition of your work? Yeah. At the end of it? Yeah. But in wow. yeah. You have to listen to the story. It's not, it's not, as, it's not as Huawei as you think, well, but maybe it is Huawei. Anyway, we're in. So I, I go, and I'm kind of okay at this point. I kind of understand the camera a bit better. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't spending hours and hours and hours doing stuff. But um went, I think it was a guy called Kiametze Joseph Molopong, okay. He was instrumental in the downfall of the Southwest, Southwest African administration. He was a student activist. And I went, and he was uh, doing poetry readings and teaching students, um, I suppose, performance. So I went, I think I went about four times, um, two rolls of film each time, took photographs of Joseph, got them developed. And then at the end, the exhibition mm-hmm. was stuff pinned to the wall in university. Mm-hmm. But that's an cool. Exhibition, nice, yeah. some nice prints. Um, and then I give uh, Joseph, some prints to take back with them to Africa, and I think this, this is this is two thousand three, two thousand four. So it's a while ago. Um, I got a letter um, saying what I want to what I want to fly over to Africa, to Namibia, to work with uh, Joseph on a book, on a poetry book, which would be a photo photo book. Um, and of course, I said yes, and then they sent a big pile of documents with uh, contractual agreements. Oh, mm, well, it was three hundred and. I guess this is how naive I was, Robbie. This isn't, this isn't clever stuff. 360 photographs. Um, that's what they were commissioning me. And I would fly over and they would... Uh, I'd fly over, they'd play my fights, put me up and feed me. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously you'd have to bring some dosh. And I bought 10 rolls of 36 film. Oh, exactly. 360, 360, 360 exposures. 360 exposures, such was my couple One a s- day. One a day. Well, I'll such, say here such, a year. Such ignorance. Um, and I borrowed some money from my auntie. So I bought a coat because my friend said it was cold at night. I bought a coat, mm-hmm. warm coat. I put 10 pounds in the phone that wasn't roaming. And I took a tenner with me on the flight with no... This Holy... Is, this is completely... Anybody tell you it's completely true. I am... Um, I didn't even get the, the £10 changed into the million dollars or into rand. A £10 note. Sitting in the plane, flew over. I'd been to Europe and stuff, but you know, uh, no, no sense. Nice sense of adventure, but I have no money, so what can you do? Wasn't going to turn it down. Flew over Johannesburg, thirsty, no money. Went to the toilets, took some uh, tap water. Probably not the wisest thing, but what we you do? Wasn't sick, strong constitution, thankfully. Um, flew over, landed in, uh, in Bintook, and I was there for three, three, three and a half, four weeks. And I would read poetry. It sounded really arsy, read poetry at night, um in in my hotel room with two cages. It was beautiful. One door was locked, then another door was locked. And uh, I I read, I think it was quite dodgy. Um read poetry and then would meet Joseph in the morning and go out and make work. And this was my this was the part where I was starting to feel kind of things were, were working artistically. Um so we did that and then at the very End of the evening, we went to kind of the editor's house. At the end of the the, 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 the stay, went mm-hmm. to the editor's house and would, we, all the pictures were on the table, they were doing the edit, and invited loads of people around. And one of the, we had to do a round of kind of, who are you, why are you here, stuff. Mm-hmm. We were sitting on the table, and the first guy was James Sussman, who was a Smuts fellow, Cambridge Rockford, I can't remember, doing stuff for the Times on the Sandman. The next guy was an erotic stop scientist, and they were all... Very smart, clever people. Academics. All academics, but all at the top of their game. Yeah. You know, it was a soiree, you know what I mean? And it came to me, I was sitting, and my friend Terrence had flown over. And he's sitting beside me, and it came to me, and they, you know, who are you? And I said, well, Chris Barr, caretaker, County Hall, Korean," they, And they all <laughs> laughed. And my friend Terrence <laughs> put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Chris was a caretaker. And that was literally it. I wow. decided I was going to come back and not be a caretaker. And so I to come back. Jeez, so like, that's a line in the sand. So that was a big line. Well, a big line in the sound for me. You know, yeah. But I knew it was flying out. Things were going to be a bit different. I came back with the tenor, I, did, I just had simply, and um, I didn't. I had a driver and stuff, so I didn't need much. It sounds. It sounds more. Thinking now, would I go anywhere with the tenor? <laughs> I went to LA with 80 pounds after that. Like, thought, like, that's an adventure, keep. man. Thought, like, Holy. So that, but that was it. That was the. That was the kind of. That was me being immersed. And I thought, it, it, whenever I come back, that was it. You know, I had a. They, it, they, they give me half the book, so it was Joseph Knight's book. So I came back, I went to university, did an interview, got in, and that was kind of the start. And of course, photography wasn't there at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but and literally, whenever I was applying for university, I, I read down the list and picked the the thing I thought would have the least writing, because my right arm. <laughs> I was diagnosed with chronic dyslexia in university. Um, and that was it. Graphic design or visual communications, it was then, was the thing. And, of course, I, everything I did, it was um, photo-related. You know, it was all... And that was me. That was, that was me being 30-something. Wow. So that was my... That was your 15-year-old self, probably, at that point. That was the the kind of the range of stuff. And from that point, then, it was, you know, what do you do? Where did I go kind of fine art stuff It wasn't straight out? doing assist. I didn't do any assist. In fact, whenever you say about, you know, all the stuff that we can do to, um, to give, give ourselves a shot at being a photographer, I'm not sure for me that going to university probably for different reasons. Mine was probably due with confidence and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that university did the trick for me, but it certainly didn't do it for me with regards to education. It, no, of course not. You know, in hindsight, that wasn't, I'd have been better, Finding Rob Durston and the foot but you know what I mean? And saying, Can I come? That would have been, you know, would have cut to fifteen years probably out of the process. But that's the way it is. We all have our own journey. But yeah. The for me that was the that was the change. That was the and it was a nice line in the sand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think for young people, for, for, I think post secondary education, whether it's university or college mm-hmm. or even night classes, and and you're taking that stuff, I think it's great. In the social aspect of of associating with other people in a lot more freer environment than Mm. you had in high school. Mm. You know, you're all equal again and you're much more mature. And now you can really talk to those girls or talk to those guys about different things and and drink. And yeah, and you can have a beer because you're of age now and all that kind of stuff. And you let loose a little bit. But yes, I think it, it does come back around to the fact that. You might learn the basics of photography in school, but you're never going to know those nuances. You're never going to know those tricks, those those quick keyboard shortcuts that a photographer will tell you, you know, this is the way we're going to light this bottle today, and this is why we need to light it this way. You know, you can light a bottle 60 different ways, but... Today, we're shooting it editorial. Tomorrow, we're going to be shooting it for advertising. The day after that, we're shooting it for the bottle manufacturer. And all three of them need to be shot in different ways. Whereas in school, you would have just been taught to shoot the bottle with nice ribbon highlights, and to leave it at that. You might have been taught to think about a bottle
0: and then go and shoot something around the bottle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You might not even have the bottle. That would be, you know, and that's not dissing anything. That's just, you know, you come out with, um, for me personally, I didn't study photography, but, you know, I studied um, visual communication. But I think you're right. I think, and especially in today's age of, you know, of, of YouTube and Google and all that stuff, you know, if you're if you're wise you can go on, as I do lots, go on and learn stuff. You know, every day is a school day. You know, there's loads, of course, you don't know everything, about. in fact. There's lots you don't know. But whenever you leave at a certain age, and this is what my problem was that I suppose ego was involved. You know, people, I think, had, an, had a, a reasonable uh, idea about me, and it was that, you know, I could take good photographs.
1: But there was time. Because of
0: your age. Because of my age, okay? maturity. Okay. Yeah, because of my maturity, but also because I was I had done, you know, I'd done some nice stuff. But it was always stuff that was kind of eclectic, you know. But if you don't know how to work in studio, and I had no idea how to work in studio, you know, at a certain age it becomes difficult to, you know, put up your hand and say, not in university, but out of university, and say, excuse me, can mm. I get help?
1: Now you can or did you, you even get that chance to put up your hand outside of university? No,
0: no, well, no. To
1: say, hey, you know, how you don't, do but, you do that? But the thing is, you, like, this has always
0: been my way, and it's probably, it's not, I'm not saying it's unprofessional or it's professional or something else, but if somebody asked me to do a job, you know, whenever I was younger, I'd always say yes. Mm-hmm. always say yes, because it was just, it was a way for me, and it's, it's probably a dyslexia thing, it was a way for me to um, prove to myself that they're, well, to learn probably, but I was never learning in between times. <laughs> I wouldn't sit down and think, oh, I must learn how to do this. You know, somebody would come to me and say, can you do this? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, of course I can. Sure. And then uh, he would spend a week or two weeks or whatever. And then, of course, and you do know how to do it. You know, but I think that, do, I, do, do would I say going back, and I've done a master's as well, so I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, but would I say that would be the way forward? Do I tell people that's the way forward? I don't, to be honest with you. You know, mm-hmm. I think unless you want to do, unless that's, you want to do a fine art, and even then that's problematic in a sense you know to go out and make money to feed your family yeah
1: you know yeah <laughs> to, to make money to feed your family to pay the bills to pay the mortgage yeah I mean you need to be able to hit the ground running you need you need what to is. have that base education you whether do. it's studio location work something commercially based that, yeah. that's saleable uh, that, not to say that your fine arts stuff isn't saleable yeah but you need to, I mean, it's a much more of a progression to get into that fine art scene, to yeah. network, and to get yourself placed in galleries but and I do stuff. Know,
0: but I do, I do know who people, I do know people who are, are very successful, they've got themselves a style, mm-hmm. they've got themselves a fine art style, and people, people do come to them oh, to get sure, work yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. but that's not happening to everybody, for sure.
1: And it's yeah. not gonna come as soon as you're right out of school oh, either, geez. that's no.
0: very, very rare. Very, very rare. But whenever you're at, you know, you don't believe that. You know, you have these blinkers on where, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. You know what I mean? And of course things happen. But I think that there's nothing. I think, for me, just the hard work going out and learning on the job was how I... You know, it was, and it was hard. I mean, if you can't read manuals, you have difficulty reading manuals. I am a hands-on person, Mm -hmm. which is why YouTube's fantastic because you have tutorials that you can go on and and learn. But I think that, that for me is the, was the exciting part. Exciting.
1: And now you're here?
0: Now I'm here sitting in in Belfast, um, uh, dreaming of noodles, in fact.
1: Is it getting close to
0: lunch? <laughs> close to lunch. Um, no, no, but I think I think you're right. I think it's one of those things that I think that, you know, if you think like and I do, I teach photography, so I always do this we blurb at the beginning of the classes, you know, kind of my 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 route. And it's never, you know, I you know, it's not ABC, it's not, you know, go to school, go to university, um, come out as a photographer. Mine's been far from that, mine's been like round the houses for a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I teach people who are wanting to change direction, and you have to be, you know, somebody works in the bank or somebody works such and such, and they have this dream of it coming out, as many people do, into the world of photography and think it's going to be, you just have to be a good photographer. That's not the case either. You know, there's loads of stuff to talk about. But the journey, whenever I think on it for me, has been the right one for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I would have been very good coming out of university and going straight into assisting. probably been awful right but you did assist you assisted
1: i assisted yeah did assisting did production work i worked on the retail side of things on the rental side of things so i came from that sort of gearhead end of end of stuff so i got a real sort of good education on what equipment did what and how to achieve certain techniques. Yeah. And I was able to apply that into my assisting yeah. and she'll teach that to photographers yeah. who in turn obviously taught me tons of stuff, yeah. tons yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you couldn't have paid for that kind of education. And, you know, Every time, as a freelance assistant, every time you you go from photographer to photographer, you're learning something every day and you take that little bit with you to the next photographer. And you you share a little bit with that next photographer and they share a little bit back and then you go on to the next photographer. And before you know it, you're culminating all their educations into yourself. And if that's if that's a good stepping stone to go off and create your own businesses in photography, I, I then think it's probably that's probably the only stepping
0: stone step step You know, in my mind, that's kind of where, you know, it's it's where anybody that wants to go and do it's anybody who I know who's been really successful,
1: have definitely assisted at some point. You know. Who, yeah, I mean, like assisting now, assisting in the digital age, it it's become you know that. Category is even broken down even further yeah, into yeah. like digital tech people yeah. and and you know now you're even seeing you know stills gaffers you know yeah. people who are actually just doing the lighting end of things yeah. for photographers. I mean there was a little bit of that happening in in the in the early nineties yeah. where you'd see that We're splitting a bit and the different where where an assistant wouldn't even touch the cameras. Yeah, okay. You know, you, you, a photographer would have a camera assistant mm-hmm. and a gaffer mm-hmm. who would be lighting the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then once we got into digital, then we had, you know, almost three different assistants on set. And it even broke down even more after that. We started getting into retouching and it, it, all those people honed themselves into that and, yeah. you know, Distance themselves from the assisting part, yeah. where they became the specific. But the where they became the
0: assistant. But the assistant guys do go on. They they obviously want to go on to become.
1: Most of the time, yeah. sure. Most but some of the time. people. Are very, I mean, some people, like some assistant. people, make a crazy lucrative, like, career out of digital tech. Yeah, okay. I mean, in bigger markets, you know, digital tech guys can make as much or more than it's the totally photographers, good. depending on the gig. Yeah and and the same with retouching i mean well, retouching so, yeah. by the hour you know ranges anywhere you know from 150 to 250 to 400 to 500 dollars an hour yeah. you know american dollars you can get some crazy retouchers out there making crazy money Whereas you know the photographer, the photographer can be relegated to just creating all these plates. No, of course, you yeah, know absolutely. all these all these composite images that the retoucher is actually going to be doing ninety nine percent of the work to. Well, we know people who just
0: take the card, out, pass it over, and away they go. Yeah, which is cool. It's not a negative, but it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I find that, I find the whole thing. You know, I'm. I well, ought to mention my fifty two. Um, I find it. Fa- I just find the whole thing fascinating, and it probably is of, because because. You know, I've, I have come to that later, and you're just like, you know, whenever you whenever you sit back and look at where we're at now with technology and the ability to to learn remotely, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to be sitting. I can sit in my house at twelve o'clock at night and find out
1: practically anything I want. Yeah, in time, Rob. I, see I time. mean, I I think about my lunch times, yeah. and you know, I'll make a quick lunch yeah. and I'll sit down yeah. for seven to ten minutes, yeah. and you know. I'm relegating myself usually to paperwork in the morning when I'm not shooting. Yeah. So I'm doing paperwork. I'll have my lunch. I get seven minutes. Yeah. I'll watch a silly YouTube tutorial or a review or something, yeah. and it's great. You know, um, I've what? just learned seven minutes of knowledge that yeah, you know, twenty years ago in the '90s, yeah. you know, you didn't have, you, you didn't what, have that stuff. See, whenever I'm doing classes, like people, every nearly class, you could have opened a book. You could have opened a what book and read for seven you know. minutes while you were eating, but could you imagine that sounds, that sounds I mean, like, now it's just getting, you know, it's just being fed I to myself, you. I found myself flicking a book like this the other day to try
0: and to try and get it to move Oh on. yeah. Swiping oh, it. Swiping a book. Swiping. That's yeah. not good, is it? That's a bad sign. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I think I think that I think it's actually where it's a really healthy a really healthy a really healthy zone. You know, I think that' You no, know, because people are always saying to me about, you know, what what would you do if you were doing it different? And that would be go and assist somebody. Find somebody good to go and assist.
1: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think for me, I think I should have I should have known better as to when I needed to fly the nest. Okay. Because I think I spent too long. Helping other people okay, yeah, yeah. accomplish yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing work. Yeah. I think I should have started earlier doing my amazing work. Yeah. Your work isn't it? Well, some of it. i <laughs> <laughs> look straight at that
0: It's amazing, <laughs> guys. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, so.
1: <laughs> but you know, I think about you know, I I did that whole after school, though you know, crisscrossing of different jobs and yeah. and things and and getting it on set and. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a little bit of gaffer work and then I did a little bit of tech, digital tech work yeah. when that stuff came in and I was doing retouching and I was doing producing for other photographers. So I did all that production end of things. Yeah. I knew all that stuff, yeah. but I just never really transposed it over to my own work and actually okay. pursued but, that harder that, than I should have been. But then that all comes back to
0: portfolio stuff, you know, because not all comes back to it, but the stuff you learn, you learned there must have been massive benefit. You know, re- oh yeah, retouching, all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know. In the nineties, I didn't really have a portfolio to speak of, no. and it was the late nineties I started to get my website together, yeah. and it probably it was then as well that I actually had my first printed portfolio, and by the t- that time, my first printed portfolio, I was actually quite proud of, yeah. and I was quite happy it? with it. Actually, do <laughs> we should we should should be a show and tell. I mean, it's it's dated now because it is the nineties. Okay. But but it. I mean, it was it was transparencies. It was all four yeah. by five and two and a quarter transparencies, okay. all in masks, and it, it looks amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I think that. By the time I actually did my portfolio and I did my website, uh, it was work that I was quite happy with okay. and quite proud of. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if I had jumped ship five years previous and yeah. just gone out there, yeah. I probably been, would have caught up to myself four or five years yeah, later yeah, with yeah. that same work. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it all worked out
0: in the end. But portfolio-wise, you know, you change it. You're doing one at the minute. So your last one's how old? A
1: couple of years. My last one is two years old. With intermixed pages. Yeah. So I'm always updating it, but the body of it as well as the actual book physical book itself okay. is two years old. Okay.
0: So it's still it works design wise.
1: I'm talking about the, the, the physical book. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the physical book is still design wise current, contemporary, but pages inside I'm just feeling don't reflect what I'm what I've been shooting. Yeah. Okay. Purposefully in the past five years, I guess, like thing, as a body, whole body, and things you have to think. Things you think about are things you have to think about. You know, paper that
0: that has been printed on size, your client. You know, do you have? Let's say you're doing stuff, and it's you're trying to you are going for something new. You'd obviously have to
1: tailor that to. Oh, to clients. yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I mean, my book is landscape book it starts off as 13 by 19 paper Mm -hmm. that's trimmed down to 1117 that's put in a in a big 11 by 17 landscape book with a slip case on it hardcover three post binding Mm -hmm. you know that's 276 gram uh hannah mule photo duo double-sided paper i printed all myself now if i was going for editorial I wouldn't be I wouldn't be have a book like that at all Mm -hmm. first off I'd have a portrait oriented book a vertical book and it would be more likely uh, in and around 11 and a half or eight and a half by 11 you know so a little bit bigger than letter sized and it would be more than likely that leatherette yeah with my name embossed because you know you kind of need to k- keep things consistent with the clients that you're looking out for because editorial clients will look more f- they all tend to like those those vertical leatherette black leatherette books but how do you get you know and let's say you want to do stuff for the wall street journal or the new york times you know
0: how does that how does that transpose how do you get you can't, you're not going to go to the, you're not going to go over there and you know you're not going to fly over and show somebody a book so how does that work? Do you, you know, do you, you know, post the book? They look at stuff online, and the online portfolio is way over. I think, Chris, that's a good topic for part three. Jeez, you didn't really think we'd rehearse this. You'd almost think this was a professional outfit, and we were chatting through stuff.
1: Thank you very much Chris. Thank you very much Rob. I'll see you in part 3. Let's get that let's get that part
0: 3 done. <laughs>